As we've already said, that uh, this has really been an emotional time for us with all that's going on in our world. And uh, there are moments where it feels like we've got to choose a side. And when we choose a side, that means we need to write off this group of people or that person. Uh, and you can't get into conversations with them, and it just gets out of control. And that's just not in the world in large, but it even can be in church world. In our church worlds, we can find that uh, it's just, it just gets really hard, and we're trying to live this life under God. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about uh, you know, an intensity level of disagreement, and I hope you had a chance to look at that. But the first one was you know, commandments, and there's no wiggle room with a commandment. And then when we get down to uh, convictions, uh, maybe just a, a little bit, but a conviction is something that really we own. Sometimes that's the difference of churches to church with different denominations, with different thoughts on things. That's a, a conviction. And then we get into these areas of matters of conscience, and uh, that can be everything from uh, entertainment to uh, alcohol, social, all that kind of a thing, and it's a matter of conscience. But when it gets into the matter of conscience area, uh, that's something that shouldn't separate us. We should be okay with somebody else having a different view on something, and we don't try to superimpose our view on somebody. Uh, then we get down to this idea of conjecture, uh, just wisdom decisions, and sometimes there are decisions that are just one decision seems wiser than the other. Uh, but again, that shouldn't be something that causes us to, to, to permanently butt heads with someone or uh, burn bridges. And then there's just choices. There's choices. We showed a couple of colors of carpet up there. There's those kind of choices that, uh, you know, we're going to McDonald's or we're going to Burger King or, whoa, don't ever go to one of those places. But, you know, that kind of a thing. And they're just choices. So as we're thinking about this and we're thinking about how to integrate and how to, uh, you know, be with our society, be in our society, but not compromise and all of that, uh, we just need to understand these things. How do we live under God in this, this environment that we go? And, and sometimes, at least in my life, I feel like it's this kind of situation. I've always preferred the cream part of an Oreo. That's crazy. The cookie's the best part. Cream. Cookie. Cream. Cookie. Choose your side. I love the way they respected the quietness of the library throughout that. But again, you know, something cookie cream, and again, that's a choice, that's a that's a preference kind of a thing, but but we need to we need to understand how do we not lose it with people who think differently than us, and, and how do we walk along and we don't get sucked into that trap. And sometimes I think those of us who are Christ followers actually get sucked, get baited into this trap about just being super disagreeable and then having a super conflict over something that might be important, is important, but it should never have gone off the rails to that level. Um, even Jesus experienced this. Uh, the Pharisees were always trying to catch him, trip him up, get him into problems, set traps for him. And uh, they, they put something out there that was more serious than cookie versus cream, but it was still uh, one or the other. And uh, he, I think he wanted to just to stay above the fray on it. Uh, but uh, you may be familiar with this. Uh, we read in Mark 12, uh, 13 through 14, they sent Pharisees and followers of Herod to bait him, hoping to catch him say something incriminating. 
They came up and said, Teacher, we know you have integrity, that you are indifferent to public opinion, you don't pander to your students, and teach the way of God accurately. Tell us, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And this was a trap. Because you see, if he said no, then the occupying power, the Romans, would come down on him. He's, he's planning insurrection. But if he said yes, then all those that felt the oppression of the Roman boot would have, would have had a major problem with Jesus. The, the folks that were following would have said, no, no, that can't be. So is it cookie or is it cream? Continues on and we read, Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is on this? And the ins- whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God. And they were amazed. And they really started to slow down their questions to him because of that. You see, you and I find ourselves in that, in that place all the time. And we need to get a little wiser, a little more understanding that sometimes it's not black and white. Again, if you looked at that five C's, you'd see that. And when it comes to those non-black-white issues, we shouldn't take the bait. We should, we should stay beyond that, and especially with each other. There are some subjects you just, you just don't get into. And it's not because you're shrinking back from who you are. You're just saying, I want people to know what I'm for. I want to emphasize what we agree on, and I want to move in that direction. If we were to, again, to take the mic and pass it around on some of uh, these theological things as Christ falls, we could find different thoughts on different things. And those may be important to you. They may be important. But there are some things that just should not divide us. And Jesus wouldn't fall into that trap. I mean, he needed to, we need to decide where we're going, but we need to make sure that we just don't slide into that. We don't get caught off. Because a lot of times, as Christ followers, we're going to find ourselves just banging heads over carpet issues. And, and then we totally miss the point. The reason we have a church, the reason we have a carpet, is so that people can come to church. Well, if we blow the church up over a discussion like that, and that's a nice extreme one, then what was the point of even having the carpet in the beginning? So we need to ask these questions. We need to be thinking. Uh, another little uh, way to look at that, how we can become so petty on, on things that are important to us, and, that, and that's good that they're important, but we, again, use them to butt heads with others. Uh, another, it's funny, it's a candy commercial, but here we go. Years ago, when the inventors Seamus and Earl unveiled their Twix bar, the tension between them reached a breaking point. Literally. Neither would give up control. So they did the logical thing and divided the company, out of spite. Earl went as far away as possible to start over. Apparently, not far enough. Seamus tirelessly designed a monument to his individuality, while Earl labored intensively on a monument to his individuality. Each marveled at his own factory, 
He found his former partner's factory a little pedestrian. Each factory took a vastly different approach. Left Twix flowed caramel on cookie, while Right Twix cascaded caramel on cookie. Left Twix bathed in chocolate, while Right Twix cloaked in chocolate. Both bars as different as the vastly distinct men who invented them. To this day, sharing nothing but a wrapper. Do you have a sec? Sure. We're the Right Twix factory, making cookie layered with caramel covered in chocolate for the right side of the pack. Yeah. And next door is the Left Twix factory, and they make cookie layered with caramel covered in chocolate. No, cloaked in chocolate. Totally different process. Well, I was going to suggest we merge. I just don't like the way they carry themselves. Has you ever tried one of these bars made over at Right Twix? Why? Our special cookie is cascaded with caramel and cloaked in chocolate. How good could their Right Twix be? Never wondered? I technically don't keep, really keep friends from Right Twix, but that's only because I've been working here for a long time. We do a karaoke every Friday night, it's great. I think Right Twix does it Saturday night, Saturday night, which really feels weird to me. There's something really off about those guys. Try both and pick a side. Again, that seems ludicrous, that seems funny, but you've had those conversations before. And again, I, I don't want you to think I'm asking you to compromise your values, your principles, or any of those things. I want you to evaluate those and see how you can bring people together rather than splitting people apart. So when it comes down, we have to start thinking about how do we choose sides, choosing sides. And when we, if you're a Christ follower, and if you're not a Christ follower, you're getting to hear this maybe for the first time. As a Christ follower, we are called to be kingdom seekers. And when we talk about being kingdom seekers, it's not like a, a physical kingdom right now. It is the rule of God in your heart, one heart at a time. So as you and I think about being a kingdom seeker, we want to ask how God is ruling our, our heart. And as we said last week and a couple other weeks, it, it begins with that relationship. It begins with that priority. And as we are a kingdom seeker, and an engaged kingdom seeker, letting God, Christ, rule our heart, then it comes up these sides. We filter them through that. Secondly, I'll read in Matthew, what you should want most is God's kingdom. Again, this, this rule of his in your heart. And doing what he wants you to do. Then you will give you all these other things you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will have its own worries. So if you and I are serious about choosing sides and we're going to be a kingdom seeker, if we're deciding that for our life, it comes back to our heart. And we need to figure out that that is what we're seeking first. So even over the last few days, how has this played out in my life? I found myself even pushing off my quiet Bible reading time when I got up first in the morning because I wanted to spend time to see what is going on. And all of a sudden, I've discovered within 10 minutes of watching the news, it just kind of repeated itself, repeated itself, repeated itself, different faces, same story. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw that, that time to, in a sense, be a kingdom seeker evaporate because I got caught up with all these kinds of things. There's so many ways we can get distracted. 
Again, I think you ought to be aware of what is going on in your world. I give my daughters a hard time when I, I talk about a certain issue and they have like no idea about it. I'm like, what, what, don't you watch the news? What, what are you doing? You should, you should know that this is going on out there. And, and we have, oh, dad, you know, you're so old and all that stuff. But anyway, you know, you should be aware of what's going on, but that shouldn't be your total focus. Kingdom seeker first. And when you're a kingdom seeker, and when I'm a kingdom seeker, and when I spend time in his presence, letting him rule my heart as, as a kingdom, in a sense, then I find that that awareness of this greater world is there, but I'm not owned by it. I'm not preoccupied by it. I'm not shaken to my boots by it. I go, yes, that is true. This might happen. This might not happen. This is not good. That is good. You know, I, I get all that. But I don't want that to own my soul. I don't want that to own my direction. So you have to decide which side you're going to choose. It starts with being an engaged, regular, consistent kingdom seeker. And it takes time and it takes consistency. Uh, we read on, God's kingdom is coming, but not in the way that you can see it. People will not say, this is Jesus, look, God's kingdom is here, or there it is. No, God's kingdom is here inside you. It's inside you, one heart at a time. Someday, yes, I believe Christ will return and set up his kingdom. It's for another discussion. But in the here and now, we need to realize it is one heart at a time. It's inside us. It's his presence with us. So when we think about this, we need to ask ourselves, are you willing to put your, are we willing to put our faith focus ahead of our political focus? Are you willing to do that? And all of us that have been around church world for a little while, well, of course I'm willing to do that. But if we actually could have a little reading that said how preoccupied you were with, were with that, would that be true? A couple uh, operating systems ago, and I hated this, I turned it off on my phone, it started telling you how long you were on your phone. It started telling you how long you were in this program, that program, this program, that program. Hey, you were four hours, good job. And you were only three hours yesterday. I'm going like, I'm getting rid of this. But the reality is that wouldn't it be great if we could have like a thing like that in our hearts and our soul? End of the day, getting ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden there's a little, you know, little spit out of our hand. Oh, this is how much time you were focused on kingdom. This is how much time you were focused on this. This is how much time you were focused on politics. And just, and just really see where that is. So are we willing to put our faith focused ahead of our political focus? Again, another 611 said it a little differently, translated differently. So above all, Consistently chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. In other words, you'll be taken care of. So seek the kingdom first. Have that kind of focus and let the other things, the chips fall where they may be to some degree. Again, I'm not saying not be engaged. If you've listened to part one and two of this series, you would see that. Uh, but this idea of really focusing on our faith first. 
Another thought with this is both parties are convinced that Jesus would be on their side. I mean both parties. If there's three or four parties, they would all say, yes, our party represents Jesus the best way. And you could, if you want to, you could have, no, I don't want you to, you could actually have some really good arguments about this. Uh, one party would say, no, no, on this issue, we represent Christ. Christ would be with us on this issue. And then our party says, well, I mean, uh, on this issue, Christ would be with us. So we have to realize that. We, when, we, when we go to our system of thinking, we're a little bit jaded by that. We're a little bit controlled by that. So you have to understand that. Again, I'm not talking about dismissing that. But I can guarantee, especially when you get into Christian world, and I know Christians that are all over the place on different issues. They feel this way, this way, that way, and, and, and they love Jesus. And I talk to them sometimes, and I'm like, I can't believe they're okay with that, or, or, or that's not a huge issue with them, because I know they love Jesus. I don't get that. Both parties are convinced that Jesus would be on their side. We found this man undermining our law and our, our order, forbidding taxes to be paid to Caesar, setting himself up as a Messiah king. Pilate asked, this is when Jesus was on trial, is this true that you're the king of the Jews, that your words, not those are your words, not mine? And again, this idea of whose side, forbidding taxes, not forbidding taxes, goes back to that other thought. It's just, it's, just, it's just crazy, and so everybody is looking for what side somebody is on. I like what uh, Abraham Lincoln said. Sir, my concern is not whether God is on, my, on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. So what does that statement do to you? That statement brings you back to knowing God, knowing well. That state brings you back to really studying the scriptures to seeing how God operates, what Jesus' heart is. All those ideas, that's how we figure out what God's side is. But we want to ask ourselves, not is he on our side, but are we on his? Another thought when we're choosing, the kingdom of God will always at some level in detail conflict with political parties. Don't want to get too close to home. Maybe, no, no, I won't get that close. But we could bring up a platform or we could bring up a, a uh, policy. We could bring up the way a party functions, the things they do, the things they don't. And we are bound to find some conflicts. We are bound to find some conflicts. That doesn't mean we ignore the system. It doesn't mean we turn our back. But we have to realize that, that there's no perfect party out there. So that's why you can have two or three uh, Christ followers sit in a room and they have different positions on everything. And you say, wait a minute, I, I, if we took the discussion on these positions out, th these, these, are, these are my people. I, they, they, they are just on board with the way they follow Jesus just like me. You see, there, there's got to be some conflicts because if there are not, then there's actually a perfect party out there. There's a perfect political organization out there. We established that the first week. There is no one perfect. There's no perfect candidate. The only way there'd be a perfect candidate if Jesus was the candidate. There are no perfect candidates. 
doesn't mean to put down, doesn't mean to have expectations that are unrealistic, but it's just we need to understand that when we're diving into these things. Tony Evans says, Jesus did not come to take sides. He came to take over. That comes back to the kingdom of your heart. It comes back to him ruling your heart. That's where his kingdom in this day and age begins, inside your heart. So Jesus doesn't want a piece of your life. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want this. He doesn't want your time. He wants it all. He wants you. And then he has those other things. So you need to understand that when it comes to this. John 18, 16 reads, My kingdom, Jesus said, doesn't consist of what you see around you. If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But I'm not that kind of king, not the world's kind of king. And if you tease that out, I think we might have mentioned, I can't remember if we mentioned this in our community group or you know, here, but if, if that had unfolded, if, if, if Jesus' 12 disciples were like ninja masters, and when the guards came in, they went, oh, you know, and took out all the guys that were trying to arrest them, we would not have a Savior that would have died for us. We'd be in big trouble. Wouldn't have a Savior that died and rose again. So Jesus is saying, I'm not that kind of king. Starting on the inside. The side... Disagreement doesn't become disagreeable. It's a carryover from last week. Disagreement should not become disagreeable. And again, we talked about not compromising, not changing your policies. But there are times where we, as Christ followers, just give off a spirit of constant disagreement, constant grumbling, grumpiness, and all of this. And we need to watch out for that. We need to learn how to disagree without becoming disagreeable. So when we look and we see that uh, Jesus is our side, we're focusing first on the kingdom, his rule in our heart. But his rule in our heart starts to parse some things, some behavior, some actions, some policies that are out of alignment with his rule in your heart. Then you need to say, this, this is a commandment, this is a conviction, or maybe this for me is a matter of conscience, not going there. Then we need to learn how to actually communicate that in the right time, in the right way, in the right circles, I don't necessarily think marching around, let's say, just screaming out your views would be the most productive way. But uh, as you're connecting with other people, you start to share a little bit of your heart, and they start to see that your goal is seeking first the kingdom of God. And because of that, you've come to these conclusions. Because of that, you've come to this commandment, this conviction. And I can remember talking with some people that had different commandment convictions. And again, I'm going to say, in my life, there's no wiggle room at that level. And, and I would talk with them, and I would say, uh, uh, prove me wrong in this. Free me from this position. I would love to not think this way because it makes me odd man out. And I would prefer not to be odd man out in this. So if you can give me a... a God heart, scriptural uh, answer to this, and I discover that, wow, that, that's, that, I'm, I'm off a little bit, I would gladly receive that. 
So that, that's not being disagreeable. It's understanding. Jesus, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Everyone will know you are as my followers if you demonstrate love to others. In other portions of Scripture, we'll see that it's easy to love those who are like us, who agree with us, who are on the same page with us. The loving really takes place when they, when they push your buttons. The way I really show love to somebody is when there is a disagreement in how I respond to them. It's easy to love the, the good, normal people like me in my life. It's hard to be loving to someone who I disagree with. So that's a sign that we are Christ followers. And, and you know, I'm going to, not to beat us up, I, I think we do pretty good at this to some level because I, I can't believe if we, if we looked at all the backgrounds that all of us hold, all the different positions, all the different places we've been, it's amazing that a group of a couple hundred people can get together and, and move in any direction together. That, that's, just, that's just amazing. That, that, that's a good thing. So I think that is a sign when you have a different position, different background, different thought, and yet we can, in a sense, move the ball down the field for the mission of Christ. But this idea that we love each other, unless there's an opportunity where someone's difficult or we perceive someone being difficult, we're, really not being, we're not really demonstrating that unconditional love. It's lo easy to love lovable people in our minds. So the real sign is when you can mix it up a little bit. You can have a conflict, and you can actually get to the other side of that conflict and still be friends because you're not disagreeable. Read in Galatians, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Again, this idea of the law of Christ is to love each other and to carry each other's burdens. The places I show that I'm loving is actually when I step out and practice it and do it, just not talk about it. You see, the law of Christ is to inform the areas of our lives, of our life. It's to inform. It's the way we interact with those around us. Those, yes, that we like and it's easy to be around with and those that it's difficult to be around with. And then that gives credibility to our faith. Paul talks about it this way. He says, no one has any hold on me. In other words, no one has any control on me. I'm my own person. But I have made myself a workman owned by all. I do this so I might lead more people to Christ. Now, Paul's not saying that he compromises who he is, but he's saying if somebody likes this thing, has this preference, even has this matter of conscience, I'm not going to make it a big deal because I, I want to I lead them to Christ. So I have to confess this. There's actually been a couple times in my life where I've actually gone to a Dunkin' Donuts coffee place. I've actually drank it all because I had somebody I was connecting with, and, and they didn't like Starbucks. I, I couldn't believe they didn't like Starbucks. I almost stopped even talking to them after that. But, but I said, you know, Jesus loves them. I need to love them, and I will actually go to Dunkin' Donuts and get some of that coffee and I'll actually drink most of it. I won't just, you know, get it and not drink it because I need to become all things to all men. 
minor thing. Or maybe not, but you get the idea. So there are some things. You go to someone's house, and they have a little weird way they do things. And you roll with it. Why? Because you're coming all things to all men. That's not making a big change when it comes to God's commandments, conviction. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not crossing those lines, but you're, you're willing to, to roll with that. So what's the pathway forward? How do, we, how do we navigate this? How do we move through this? The goal is for all of them to become one. This is Jesus' prayer from last week. One in heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us, then the world might believe. So the goal of all this stuff, all this craziness that's going on in our world is how can you and I respond to it, not react to it, respond to it in such a way that we can leverage it for the good news, for the message of Jesus. How, how can you do that? So I remember real early on in January, as we as a leadership team started to meet, I, I said, this is coming. We don't know what this is going to look like. Let's not get too nervous about it, but let's look at, like, look at this as an opportunity. We get to shine as Christ followers in a crazy world. We get to represent that our faith is good even when times aren't good. We get to show that that's our bedrock in our lives. We actually have to learn how to do it because life is pretty good. I saw a little meme this week. Um, it says something like, um, I'm an American, so I'm not really concerned about getting to heaven just yet. You know, saying basically the idea that life is so good in the United States. You know, heaven, yeah, but America's pretty good. But how, how do we, when the bottom falls out in life, point to Christ? How do we leverage that? And a part of that is the way we get together. Uh, you know, all of us are a little bit more on edge. Our threshold for irritation is higher, right? So things bug us more. So this is the time where Christ in our life goes, woo! And you and I respond in a way that's uncharacteristically human being, because human beings usually let the pressure but we don't do that. So the pathway forward is to let Christ's prayer back in John 17 actually be answered in your life, in my life, one life at a time. There will always be disagreements among Christ followers in the areas of policy, platform, and legislation. So you're going to have to just deal with that. Does that mean you're only going to connect with a certain few and be in like a holy huddle and all they believe this, or are you going to kind of be able to break through that? And again, when you and I break through that, we show the love of Christ. Does that even concern you? Does it even come up on your radar that the love of Christ gets shown with the way we respond to the heaviness in the world and the way we love each other and the way we put our differences, we lay them out on the table, but we don't make the differences cause us to be disagreeable. Bottom line is this, the concern of others should concern you. The concern of others should concern you. So when they have an issue, when they have a concern, it should concern you because you want to uh, dialogue with them, you want to communicate with them, you want to show them your love. 
And so you just don't blow that off and say, this is my concern, that's theirs, I'm not, I'm not listening, I'm not uh, dialoguing with them anymore, I'm done. No, no you, you, you move through that. Jesus did this in a grand way. I mean, that word's too small, grand, but it uh, gets us kind of there. When Christ came from heaven, we read in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, and if you get into 6, it talks about all that he did, but this is kind of setting the, 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 the groundwork for this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, community of Spirit being a part of a church, a local church where people have Christ within them, means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourself the way Christ thought of himself. So what does that mean? How does that get played out in our life? Very quickly, first, we need to listen to people who don't experience the world the way we do. It doesn't mean we accept it, but you need to listen. You need to see things from their view. You try to understand a lot of times if you go back and pull back the layers, you're going to see the way they were raised, the place they were raised, all is informing their response. Well, you need to at least listen to it. They, they may be responding in a way that's out of alignment, but unless you understand where they're coming from, the, the dialogue is over, communication ends, and then how are you going to be able to point them to Christ? Real quick, I remember uh, this individual, I shared this story a little bit, but uh, had a massive heart attack. Uh, he was involved with an organization uh, that uh, sometimes Christians said, eh, that's not really a good thing. And uh, so I went in to visit him, and uh, he was a quiet guy, and you know, he, I'm visiting him, and he starts to tell me the story of his life. He told me that he grew up in Arkansas, and he grew up on a farm, and that he had a major farming accident when he was like 8 or 10 years old. And it was so devastating that uh, they thought he wasn't going to be able to walk again. But then this local organization came alongside, paid all his hospital bills, took care of him, and made it possible so that, you know, within, after he healed, he was walking like all the other boys, and it was no big deal. So that's why he was a part of this organization. I wouldn't have necessarily spent my time in this organization I wouldn't have given it a lot of time, but, but he felt that he owed this organization. So that changed everything. I had people finding books on this organization, giving it to them, blasting them out. You know, you shouldn't be a part of it. You know, never, but they never heard his story. Now, again, if he asked me, I would have said, you know what? I got a lot of time. You don't have tons of time, so I, if I was going to have time, I wouldn't invest my time in that. And there's some other things that might be a little sketchy in the background, but, uh, uh, you know, so I might get to that point with him. But again, if I hadn't heard his story, I wouldn't have had any way to talk with him. A lot of the people in our lives that we disagree with have a story that we don't understand. So we need to listen. 
Also, we need to learn from others by being a student instead of a critic. The first thing that comes out is that you're disagreeable. Uh, it just it ends everything. If you want to point people to Christ, you need to learn by being a student. I was really proud of my dad about three or four years ago. Uh, there were some people immigrating into the United States, and uh, I think they were from um, Iran or Iraq and young family, and uh, they didn't know English, and he would go with them, and they definitely were not... Christian faith people, but he went with them and helped them and walked them through them getting papers and spent all this time with them, and, and he just kind of learned about their life. And it wasn't the right time, but I, I think for them, it was their first taste with a person that said they followed Christ. So you know, your hope and your prayer is that somewhere down the line, the lights are going to go on. Oh, I remember that old guy, Bill Spencer, back you know, when we were first in the United States. He, he listened. He, he, wasn't, he, just, he just listened to our story and all as best he could because we didn't have you know, the same language. And, and, that, and that planted a seed in him. Completely different response. Some of us have been trained the right thing to have done in a situation like that would have been pull out our Bibles, pull out these tracts, and just hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him as hard as we could. And, and in some cases, maybe that's good. But in that case, I, I, don't, I think that would have closed their mind. So we need to be a student first. Again, it doesn't mean we're compromising. Also, the idea here of loving people enough not to burn a relational bridge over a political view. Wow, that's a tough one. Tough one. How many bridges do we sometimes burn over a political view? And now that person... Is kind of like out of our lives. We need to be careful about this. Again, it's not, it's not conforming, it's not compromising, but it's, it's loving someone enough to be okay with that. Uh, yesterday, I, I have a friend who uh, has nothing to do, I have a couple friends like this, but I, this one friend has nothing to do with faith. I just text messaged him yesterday, we text back, and then he called me, and, and I spent, spent time with him, and it would be over the phone, he's in Florida, and I, I could have very easily burned that relational bridge, but I want to keep the conversation going. I want to have a, a right and opportunity to speak into his life. I want to be that person when he's ready to talk about faith things, that he says, you know, maybe I should call Dave Spencer. He, 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 he thinks things differently than I, but he has compassion and love for me in spite of our differences. I think I'm going to call him and ask him about this. Or would he say, I would never ask Dave about this because he's, he's going to say, I told you so. He's, going to not, he's, he's just not going to listen. So. so again, the bottom line, the concern of others should concern us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We're thankful for the way uh, faith in you and a walk with you can uh, be our rudder through crazy times. And Lord, I just uh, pray for my friends here this morning and those watching online, and I just ask that you would help us to uh, have a deep faith in you in these times so that we have a strength and we have a resolve to walk in these waters, walk in these days, and point to you. Lord, help us not to be reactionary. Help us to respond. Help us to be calm. Help us to draw people out, to draw people out, to open up and share their life so we can share our lives and point them to you. Help us to be very aware of burning bridges where they don't need to be burned. 
Sometimes we need to be clear, black and white clear, but sometimes we just need to just let it go a little bit so we can have a conversation. Lord, I think of those that uh, we may even be in relationship with now, and I just ask that you'd give us more opportunities in these days of craziness, that we wouldn't uh, miss the opportunities, that we would leverage them. Uh, We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we just uh, highlight... uh